Hello, Colorado. This is Philip Jordan with I Love Colorado Beercast. I Love Colorado Beer is your home for great beer gear, including t-shirts, koozies, sweatshirts, hats, and much more. Just go to ilovecoloradobeer.com. This is episode number one, and today on our show we have Jason and Andy from Locavore. And now on to the interview. We're here at Locavore with... Hi, I'm Jason Reinhardt, and uh, I'm Andy Nelson. So, Jason and Andy, how did you guys come up with Locavore? Where did you guys start? Well, I mean, we started uh, years ago as a part of a homebrew club, the Mile High Monks, and that's how we met. And uh, we just brewed together for a long time, often fantasized about having a, a real brewery. Is this, is this group still going right now? Yeah. Yeah, the Monks are uh, still going. In fact, we just had a little miniature pro-am where we had the Monks all compete, and we picked uh, one, actually two of their beers that we're going to brew up on our on our gear. So you guys are brewer. still very active in that group? As much as we can be. I mean, we're here most of the time, but um, yeah, the, the beers were good enough that we couldn't just pick one winner, so we picked two. Absolutely. So when did you guys start Locavore? What year was it? 2014, October 4th. October 4th, so relatively new. Yeah, we opened, that's when oh, we... Oh no, that'd be 2013. 2013, that's right, 2013. That's when the dream, was, the plan was hatched, and we actually opened on November 15th of 2015. No, 2014. <laughs> <laughs> so, final answer is? Yeah, November 15th, 2014. Excellent. Is when we opened, yeah. <laughs> so what were some of the challenges you experienced with preparing to open this brewery? Well, you know, there's a there's a lot of unknown logistics, right? You don't know how much, you know, utilities are going to be. You don't know how much labor is going to be. So there's a lot of guesswork. Yeah. And then we, we took some steps to kind of talk to brewers and, you know, owners and find out kind of where they're at in, you know, those expenses. Yeah, and expenses is it. Coming up with money, it's not... It's pretty, you know, equipment-intensive operation and build-outs and stuff, so coming up with cash is a serious problem. Um, how many people do you guys have working with you? So in addition to us, the owners, and wives, right? So me and Andy and then our wives. Uh, I don't know, would you say 10? Yeah, 10 or 12, probably. So this is your full-time job, or are you guys, where did you guys come from? Well, it's Jason's full-time job. <laughs> he can talk about where he came from. I, uh... <laughs> I still have my uh, my day job. I still I'm a, I'm a pilot, and I still do that pretty much half the month. Okay, so you're you're traveling on the road a lot. Yeah, and Jason was a chemist. Which so, is handy. So it's handy, you know. You bring in a lot of lab technique into into your procedures, and mm-hmm. so that uh, I mean, I think our beers are pretty clean, and you just follow protocol. Are you guys more science oriented or more? Um, what are you guys more experimental? Well, I mean, we, we have a large volume of recipes that we would definitely like to experiment with. Um, as for the ones that we've been brewing right now, um, yeah, it's it's never just willy-nilly. No, there's, I mean, we definitely stick to the plan. Sure. So but we would like to experiment. We just haven't had time. So. so when did you guys start brewing, I mean, individually? So I started brewing uh, about 19 to 20 years ago. Just, you know, like everybody else, in the kitchen, a couple pots, a couple buckets with a million holes drilled into it. With extract? No. You no. Well, I did a Mr. Beer kit, uh, you know, that uh, the wife gave me, but when those didn't turn out, I went, I went straight to all grain. Nice. In the uh, kitchen. That's impressive. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know, 99 or 2000, so 15, 16 years, something like that. Um, 
and I definitely started with some uh, extract batches and did that for a year and then and then went to the all grain as everybody always does. You can't just you're never static as a home brewer. Did you guys just kind of continuing to upgrade your equipment until you reach this level or how did that process go about? For me it for me it was, you know, it was like I said it was um two two buckets and a stock pot and then slowly it was a, a couple of stock pots mm. and then next thing you know it's kegels, pumps, reverse flow and you know, I've had that system for yeah. a very long. The clamp it yeah, rig. The clamp it rig. Yeah, same thing. I just you kind of piecemeal those things as you get into it. And I, I probably stopped changing mine about five or six years ago, just because I was satisfied with it and, and knew it in and out. So, what was the first beer that you ever brewed? You know, do you you probably know? I yeah. I mean, I've got it down to two. I'd have to check my notes, but it was either a. A stout or a Hefeweizen when I was living in uh, in Detroit, Michigan, and I had an extract recipe. It was one of those two, but it was really easy. I remember that about it. Was it a solid beer? Did it turn out? Yeah. I mean, uh, I thought so, but I didn't think you could miss then. I mean, I just went to the homebrew store, the hmm. the guy there. Real, it's actually a real famous store, Ventures and Homebrewing. They still do a lot of stuff on the internet, but uh, the guy there is a, a pharmacist who couldn't take being a pharmacist anymore, as I recall the story. <laughs> So he just said, you know, heat this to this, add that, put these little grains in it, boil it, add this, and uh, yeah, it was, there was not much margin for error in the recipe. It was pretty easy. Awesome. And I think I did a uh, either it was a, a just a German ale, which is kind of contradictory, but uh, <laughs> a little German ale, or it could have been a, a oak chip IPA, just right in the beginning. Just those were popular then. Everybody was oak chipping IPAs, oak, oak chipping everything, and just you know just. Notes were on legal pad, and you know, and then not enough sugar. Add more, you know, all the calculations. I mean, all the cal- calculations existed, but it just wasn't, you know, that easy to sit down. With. Well, I guess it's easy, but you know, you didn't have the software. Yeah, right. You the know. interwebs weren't as cool then. Right. So you just kind of, you know, you took some notes, and next time add five more pounds. Next time do this, and you know, I was looking at some of my notes, and efficiency was like sixty percent. I mean, it was it was, it was horrible. <laughs> So going into this commercial space, what were the steps that you took? I mean, how you guys met, you guys knew each other before, you guys just came together, hey, we want to start a brewery, let's go for it. Yeah, I mean, we brewed together inside of the club there for like five or six years, and, uh, you know, we were both really confident with each other's processes and the way we, uh, you know, approach things. I don't like necessarily like to use the, it's not a flattering term, um, retentive, but... Uh, both of us were wired pretty tight when it came to brewing, and so, you know, that was nice. We had clean processes, and then we liked to compete, too, a little bit. So we just kind of naturally were drawn together in that way under the club, and that's... So it was a pretty smooth, seamless transition. You guys work well together. Pretty much. I mean, I, I think we still double-check each other. I think that's good to mm-hmm. make sure, hey, did you do this? Yeah, I did it, you know, but... Absolutely. It, yeah, right. it, uh, it does keep things, you know, just in case you missed a step or you forgot to do something. It's a, I think it's a, you know, nice, nice way to make sure that we're both on the same page and thinking about, you know, all the different parts of the brewing, which is cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. Yep. <laughs> right. It's precious little time standing there up on the platform. What is it, 90% holding your janitorial? Yeah, <laughs> the rest of it's all washing something all the time. Yeah. You guys don't get your wives involved in that part, do you? No. <laughs> They're not super interested in that. Yeah. So what size are your systems back there? 
how many? What do you guys have for? So we have a what's well, a seven barrel system. We have five fermenters and then two brights. And um, maybe it, and it's all it's all automated and for the most part, you know, it's uh, air actuated valves, you know, touch screen. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the only ones that are manual are any kind of cleaning valves that we yeah. jump down to make sure you don't dump the batch on accident. Right. Yeah, I think that anything anything that can either kill you or dump all your <laughs> beer on the floor is manual, but. Um, yeah, but your your last question was how we kind of decided on that, on that on that gear, you know, on that size. We just kind of picked it. I, Jason had some input because he had won a pro am competition over at the dry dock, so he did have actually we did have one day of professional brewing between us when we when we opened. So, did you guys get any inspiration from their system and setup over there at dry dock? Or? Um, you know, initially. You know, it probably didn't dawn on me, but it's more of the retro, the retrospective where it's like, oh, you know, we kind of modeled some of our, like, uh, cleaning tanks off of what I saw at, at Dry Dock, which is, you know, cut open keg with a special, you know, <laughs> the fitting on it. We had to get, you know, things like that where when when it comes time to actually do it, it's, okay, well, how do we, how do we go about it? And kind of drawing back on, you know, the one experience, I think it helped us. Right. And then and then looking at everybody else's systems once we decided we were going to do it, you know, helped out. Like, hmm. what about, why not have a nano, you know, a one barrel or a three barrel or, I mean, there's, you know, there's a million different um, uh, possibilities and we just kind of decided on what's the, the best equipment and the size that we could actually afford was what it was, you know, so. Did you guys know you wanted a tasting room? Oh yeah, definitely. You guys, did you guys want to have a kitchen and everything the full, or did you just was that ever? No kitchen. I mean, it's you know once you get into the food, you know I would have liked to do like uh, done some cheese pairings and stuff, sure. but once you add that food uh, aspect into it, it just changes the whole right the, the whole rule game. Yeah. So we're a manufacturer mm-hmm. with the tasting room as as opposed to the the brew pub. So what kind of styles are you guys known for, or what kind of styles do you enjoy? brewing well i would say just categorically speaking um in the past you know jason was always a, a real good german beer maker and i always made weird stuff you know so, like the pumpkins and the, experimental and scientific traditional yeah <laughs> traditional you know i think you can make good good traditional beers without going too left wing now I, I think even andy's you know, pumpkin and green chili pale which people rave about hmm. you don't have to be super extreme Yep. But it just has to be a good, well-made beer. I mean, you can take breweries like Prost. I mean, they don't do anything fancy. You know, they don't have a double IPA German lager, you know. Yep. But it's a, it's, they make well, well-made well beers. Right. And so we just try to follow, you know, maybe push the borders a little bit, but not not scare anybody away either. You know, if you come in for a beer, you're going to get yourself a beer. Hmm. So how many do you have on tap at all times? Well, usually, I'd say usually, we opened with 10, and then... Sank down. I think we were as low as six at some point. Back up to ten or a little bit over now. I think that's a, a good fit for us. Ten to ten to twelve or so. Do you guys have flagship beers? Yes, we do. How many do you have, and what are they? <laughs> there are five now, and uh, they are our Sugar Magnolia, which is a Belgian vit, uh, the Ankarinkas Tea, uh, an IPA, Lilyhammer IPA, the Fifth Season Pale Ale, the Blocks Bounty Stout. And actually, you'd have to make it six because Jason's uh, loggerhead is American lager. 
we're trying to keep that on as a flag. It just it takes a, a damn long time to make. So. <laughs> do you guys run out of that one pretty fast when it's up? Do you have to be in here to get it, or is that what you guys are trying to? Well, we're trying to get up to where we have it all the time. But, I mean, just to give you an example, like our both of our IPAs, we each have one of those that we hmm. brought. And, uh, you know, it takes 23 or 26 days to, to make the batch, and the people drink it in 21 or 22. So do you guys... math kind of doesn't work out. So. Yeah, do you guys dry hop at all? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yep, in in both your IPAs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, what's your guys' favorite beer on on your flagship? Well, <laughs> mine's going to have to be Lilyhammer. That's to me. That's that's your IPA. That's yeah, my that's go- a great IPA. That's my go-to beer. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I like uh, for the most part, my favorite would be that milk stout that blocks bounty. But I mean, you know, you can't just drink. No man can just drink one beer the rest of his life. So mm-hmm. I always like that one, but. If it's not that, it's an IPA, typically. You know, I think I think uh, we started off with a couple of other beers as flags, and then, you know, they were good beers. A lot of, you know, a lot of good positive feedback, but they weren't the most popular beers, so we just kind of, we'll make them, we'll keep them. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we have the half of ice, and it's a great beer, but, you know, we'll bring it back during the summer when, you know, sure. maybe the timing is, mm-hmm. is more appropriate. So to some of our listeners, I mean, this is an awful lot of beer terminology be thrown around. I mean, Hefeweizens and IPAs and um, to the to educate our listeners a little bit, what's the best way to approach a micro, like a, a micro brew or a craft beer? Well, here's what I do when people come in, because we get this a lot. We're in a, we're deep in this neighborhood now that has been underserved by, you know, a local brewery and uh, a lot of people, it's just not their thing they're not like me who just wants to have beer all the time so i the way to do it and you could do this as a customer at anybody's bar um but what i always do is i say what what do you drink or what have you drank you have a you know you ever been at the rockies game and had the banquet beer the full-size coors you know an american lager have do you uh ever ever drink blue moon you know some of the beers that people might have had in mainstream that are pretty popular and they're just talking to them for a few minutes you can see what they're like, right, or what mm. they have liked in the past. And then you can just easily pick one of our beers and segue it out. We'll start with this. This is the Sugar Magnolia. It's a Belgian wit. You know, it's the same style as that Blue Moon. And then move up from there. You know, you get a lot of people that come in. It's been my experience now in only 90 days of being open. But you get people come in, and they have these predetermined dislikes. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't like hoppy beers, and I don't like dark beers. And they may actually have never had one of either or, so, or a good example yeah right you know or or so you know yeah if you were a, if you went to the uh, Rockies game and drank a Coors or you uh, liked a Blue Moon when it was warm outside and then somebody gave you a Pliny the Elder hell yeah you might not like mm-hmm. what you perceive to be hot beers initially so I just kind of get a feel for what they like and then I slowly like the like the drug dealer at the playground, I slowly give them a little bit of something working up in either bitterness or up in darkness until they've right. tasted all of them. You know? So what would you tell the person who is stuck in their mindset that, hey, I'm a Coors Light all the way? You know, the person's going to come in and ask, what's what's the closest to the Coors Light, or even do you have Coors Light on tap? Well, you know, and I think that's kind of exactly what Andy's talking about is people come in with a preconceived idea. Mm-hmm. Our, our Coors beer is our American lager, loggerhead. Um, and so when we have that, you know, we obviously we'll guide them in that direction. But I think one of the easiest ways to bring a lot of people into the beer fold is to see where they're coming from and then 
you know, offer them that flight and even organize it in the right, the right order to, you know, taste it so that they can go, you know, not go from the stout back down to the sugar magnolia, the Belgian fit, but bring them into each flavor, you know, and find out like, oh, I really hate hoppy beers. Okay, well, let's, let's cater this for your taste and, you right. know. And, and then we, talk we, about the beers while you're doing and it. And since we have, we have cask ales, nitro ales, and sometimes we have the same beer all three ways, you know, occasionally I'll slide. If they don't get the cask, I'll, you know, I'll slide them a little, a little pinch just so they can see what they missed out on. You, you know, they opens their eyes. Like, wow, never thought I'd like a cask ale. Yeah. Are you guys pretty open to talking about people or talking to people about the brewing process? Hell yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, we like, uh, I mean, that's like one of my, I mean, I already have a full-time job. So, what, I mean, what I like here is the, is the creative process and the production involved in brewing the beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really dig that. And my second favorite thing is, is actually in the tap room and all those little interactions and relationships we have with our people. We've, in only 90 days, we've established a, um, a, a quite a fair amount of what we would call our regulars or locals. Mm-hmm. Well, like last Saturday, we're, they, they choked up the place, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so those, it's great to talk about those guys because then they come in. Now they've been here for a while. Mm-hmm. They know what our beers are, and they want to try what's new, even if that... Hasn't been something they've done in, in the past, you know what I mean? Yep. They want to try this Belgian double IPA that we rolled out last time. You know, it's just like it's like a like a guided discussion. You say, try this. Okay, what do you taste? You know, and they say, well, you know. And then, but do you taste any grapefruit? Do you get any, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, they love talking to people in the tap room and you well, know, we, we know, get tours of our of our gear and how it works. And all so that. we actually designed the tap room so there are no barriers, there are no walls, and if you come in here early enough, we're brewing. People, you know, ask questions, what are you doing there, what, what's going on with this, and they're basically 15 feet away from the steam mm-hmm. and the, yeah. wa- the water jet. Yeah, it's 100 degrees in here and it smells great, you know, <laughs> nice. steamy. Yeah. No, that's very cool. Showing a beer. And you guys also work well together with the other breweries in the area as well. You guys kind of all collaborate on things as well, don't you? Well, we're definitely big fans of our uh, of our little community here for sure. In fact, it's, it's one of the things I like most about the industry, so... I mean, how, how did that look for when you guys first wanted to start this place? I mean, was that a little bit intimidating, or was that scary coming into it, thinking, you know, there's five other microbrews within a 10-mile radius? I mean... No, I don't... You know, we, we, we knew we wanted to be out of Denver because there's so many breweries down there. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to find a, a location that was, you know, um, not saturated. Yeah, you know? but when I, I mean, but when we were... When we were doing the, you know, the getting ready to actually buy something and buy some uh, equipment and that kind of thing, you know, we would talk to all these people. And that's where, you know, that's where I first realized that all, all the people involved were pretty cool. I mean, I can't think of, uh, you know, one example in our, in the Denver metro area of uh, anybody who's a, you know, who's a jerk off, if you will. I mean, they, like, mm-hmm. we would ask them, hey, how do you do this? Or what size is that equipment? Or how much you know grain do you normally have to throw in that? And everybody always had a had an answer, and there was we were opening kind of the same time as like Thirty Eight State, you know. Mm-hmm. So we talked a lot with them. With our insurance agent is a guy named Matt Hughes. He's opening a Gold Spot here in three days up by Regis, and he's also our commercial insurance guy. So he helped us with all the insurance that we had to have mm-hmm. legally, but then also had a lot of you know brewery specific stuff. So it's all been great. So it's it's definitely worth. That relationship and that dynamic that we have here is definitely worth uh, protecting, even if, you know, 
even if there's issues that come up with names or whatever. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big thing we have going for us here, and everybody, everybody else in the community should do their best to maintain it as well. I mean, you guys most definitely are not the largest or the smallest microbrew in the area. What, what, do, you, what do you guys want to be? What's your future? Oh, well, I don't know. Do you know? 90 days in, no, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think in, in the beginning we wanted to kind of pursue that uh, cider, the Vinters, and I, I still really would like to push forward to find out how we can do it, and, um, and he's got some great, you know, cider recipes, and uh, I'd, I'd like to go that direction before getting too far out, you know, like either in the production aspect, I'd like to, you know, bring, bring that that one other nugget that we had planned on way back when. Right. We don't have, I mean, we don't have our eyes on, you know, a 35,000 square foot um, production facility in the next few years, for sure. I mean, that was kind of really never the idea. A lot of people do that, and that's cool, but um, we had originally thought when we were kicking it around about, you know, like, Renegade and those and uh, Caution, those guys that had opened a secondary location. We we thought about that too. Just be the you know be a neighborhood brewery in somebody else's neighborhood. We had thought about that, but all we really get to do now is just brew to keep up. So we really haven't had those conversations a lot recently. Yeah, so you guys do barrel as well. I see barrels over there. You guys, how long have you guys been doing barrels? Did you guys expand to that, or did you guys start off with well, some barrels? Well, we started barrel off in, in the, what, the monks had a, a barrel. Yeah, yeah. In our, years ago in our club, we had filled a barrel. So we already really had liked a little, it. little experience, got a barrel in my basement, and uh, we just knew that, you know, this was one more, one more, you know, say, option to uh, the beer that we can serve. Yeah, yeah. we went and got a bunch of barrels from uh, up at Breckenridge. They sold us a bunch of barrels even before we opened. So that's that's an amazing yeah. place too. So yeah, that's it. Good, cool good barrels. Place. Yeah, and we uh, so we started filling those as soon as as soon as we could. So so how does Locavore cater to families? I mean, you guys have a great patio out there with a fire pit. Yeah, we uh, you know we have this communal communal tables for the most part is our setup. I mean, we have four tops around here, but we have two huge communal tables plus two picnic tables inside even before you go on the patio. And so everybody's kind of forced at some point or another to sit together and we're family friendly. You know, family friendly. We like dogs here. Friendly dog friendly. Dog friendly. Friendly dog friendly. Yeah. How about food trucks? Do you guys have food trucks at all? No, we don't have any food trucks, but uh, we work uh, pretty pretty closely with a caterer right next door. He'll have a menu, you know, sitting on the table. You order directly from that. He'll they'll run right to your table. It's like having a restaurant without having a restaurant or a food truck with someone who brings it to you. So you don't have to get up. Yeah, no, that's that's great. So there's always food available. Well, not always. I mean, they they are dinners during the week and then uh, all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Do you guys uh, do you guys encourage people to call in? You know, restaurant order in food, or do you guys? We we, we leave it as an option. You know, uh, they ask what food is available. We, you know, we obviously let them know yep. about uh, our neighbor next door, but you know, we also let them know that they're free to order in pizzas right. or bring in mm-hmm. the fa restaurant stuff yeah no well, well thank you guys for for letting me interviewing you this is actually the first interview that we're doing but it's the second interview because we had some technical issues with the first interview so i appreciate your time again um you guys are going to be carrying the i love colorado beer shirts uh with your guys' logo on the back so i would love to have people stop in grab a shirt here grab a beer um grab some food and support locavore how can we find you? Well, we're on uh, locavorebeerworks.com is our website. We're also on the uh, 
Facebooks and the Twitters there on the uh, World Wide Web. So. Very cool. And your location? 5950 South Platte Canyon Road, right here in Littleton. It's where Littleton turns into bowls and meets South Platte Canyon. Excellent. So one last thing, and I know you guys have been stressing this because this is your second time through it. Different questions, however, so we're going to throw you up a little bit. These, this is our lightning round questions. We're going to ask you a number of questions, and you guys are going to answer as fast as possible. And we're going to time this and make sure that uh, make sure this is all legit. You guys haven't seen the new questions, have you? Negative. All right. We're going to wait until the clock strikes 20, and then we're going to go. So... Let's go. What is the what is so great about beer? Tastes oh. delicious. Cans or bottles? Cans. Bottles. Favorite beer in the world? Uh, how about the uh, Belgian Red New Glarus? Is Zima a beer? It's a malt beverage. <laughs> His Budweiser actually the king of beer. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> <laughs> what is more fun, homebrewing or commercial brewing? Gosh, uh, both. both. Yeah. How frequent do you guys kick someone out because they're too drunk? Once. Only once. What's worse, a skunk or a skunky beer? Uh, a skunk, man. Jeez. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Budweiser's Super Bowl ad that took a shot at craft brewing? Oh, oh dear. That's nice. funny. Yeah, that, it's funny. We're not afraid to brew more than one beer. Right. We yeah. don't talk bad about other people's beers, so when they do it to us, it's not cool. Excellent. In the movie Strange Brew, what did Doug and Bob claim to have found in a beer bottle? Mouse. Mouse. Excellent. And that was 55 seconds. You guys flew through that. And that was correct. Would you guys like to go back and, uh, and elaborate on any of those questions a little bit? You guys kind of hesitated on the favorite beer. Well, yeah, I can elaborate on the favorite beer. I mean, there's a million good ones out there. Um, and it, it's, it's always the, 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 the beer itself versus how hard it is to get it, I guess, subconsciously play into what it is. I always look forward to uh, the, the New Glarus stuff, either at GABF or whenever I get to Wisconsin just because they won't distribute outside of the state. And that's like the one beer my wife will drink. So. Yeah, and Jason's wife and my <laughs> wife too. They love that stuff. So do I. That's great. And, and I really, and I liked your answer on the, uh, the Budweiser Super Bowl commercial because, I mean, and you, guys aren't, you guys aren't out to, and you guys aren't after blood and you guys aren't out to, to hate other breweries. So. Right. That's what I see, you know, so, I mean, I'll give you my. Our mantra. Yeah. I mean, so our mantra at the shop here is like, uh, you have to make great beer and you can't be dicks. I mean, that's just the way we look at it. And, uh, so I'm no more fond of people who harsh on uh, the yellow fizzy stuff than I am of, you know, the Budweiser commercial harshing on the pumpkin peach ale or whatever it was, you know, or the or the or what or the perceived snobbery. I'm like, hey man, there's a beer for every reason. Everybody likes beer, so. So I've heard rumors on that. Are you guys gonna create your? Uh, you guys gonna create a beer, with uh, pumpkin. Jeez, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I suppose it's possible if like if all the if the Brewers Association. Uh, sends out an edict and says, let's all do this on, on a certain day, maybe, but I, I don't feel any compulsion to do it. I mean, there's going to be, I mean, there's going to be plenty yep. around here in the fall, <laughs> there's, so there's I don't a, think you have to go very far to get one. So <laughs> There's a lot of people brewing right now that, that yeah, same beer. Yeah, so. bet, yeah. Well, excellent. Well, thank you guys. I very much appreciate it. Um, head out here, grab a beer, and enjoy. Yeah. All right, thanks. Right. Thank you. Again, a special thanks to Andy and Jason at Locavore for being our very first podcast. Remember to check out our website for more podcasts and look at our great beer gear at ilovecoloradobeer.com.